As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. It's 49ers Seahawks week, always intense, and this is a particularly challenging and intense stretch for the 49ers. Started with the game against the Packers that they obviously lost in the final seconds. Continues now with our tribal Seattle at Levi Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And then after that, it's a road trip to Arizona before the bye week. So entering this three-game stretch, guys, I said, we're going to find out a lot about this 49ers team over the course of these three weeks. And we we learned something against the Packers, but the book is far from closed. In fact, if you look at the 17-game regular season as a novel, it's 17 chapters long. And we now move to Chapter 4, and this one, Matt, is a big one. The Seahawks week is always big, but specifically based on some of the issues that we saw from the 49ers against the Packers, starting slow on offense before turning it around uh, – playing an up-and-down game defensively, obviously leaving on a bad note. The 49ers need to address those issues or at least make progress in addressing those issues against what should be a desperate Seattle team, which is coming off consecutive losses. Yeah, you've got the Rams uh, undefeated, you've got the Cardinals undefeated, and you've got the Seahawks at 1-2. and two. We're not at must-win yet, but um, you, know, you don't, you don't want to fall further behind in this competitive division. So, uh, the Seahawks are up against it, the 49ers a little less so, but um, certainly would want to recover from the, uh, the loss on Sunday. And, and your point is well taken, and we talked a, a little bit about this after the Packers game. The Packers had a very simple blueprint, and that's a uh, very good quarterback plus very good receiver equals success against the 49ers. Well, uh, look who's coming to town, Russell Wilson, and he's got two receivers who have... Uh, uh, hurt the 49ers in the past. Uh, Tyler Lockett, um, uh, I forget where he stands right now. It might be fourth in the league in yards. And then, of course, D.K. Metcalf, who had 161 yards, mainly against Emmanuel Mosley uh, in the first meeting last year. The 49ers did a lot better against him in the second. It was mostly a Kello Witherspoon on Metcalf uh, in that game. But uh, Dennis, uh, another really good quarterback, and a pair, not just one, but a pair of uh, really good receivers 
facing this defense. You know, we talk about this division. I mean, if, if 49ers can't go out and get a win, you fall to the bottom of this division, and this is a competitive division. And the Rams, we see they're on fire beating Tampa Bay. Uh, the Cardinals are playing amazing. Uh, and then you got the Seattle Seahawks, and you got Russell Wilson, and you've got two strong receivers, and you got a 49ers busted up secondary. So, but the Seahawks are coming to Levi Stadium, uh, losing back-to-back games. They're going to come with a sense of urgency, and I think that's the attitude the 49ers need to have: is that urgency. I mean, that game last week, you had it; you had an opportunity to beat Green Bay uh, and be three and zero. And instead, you know, you kind of let down at the in the, the last 36 seconds of the football game. So I think both teams were going to play have to play with their with their hair on fire. And the 49ers defensive front, you got to come through this week. I mean, last week didn't show up this week. You definitely have to come, but you have to come with some control rushing and get Russell Wilson on the ground or he'll eat you up. So, you know, what's fascinating is that these two teams so far offensively have been polar opposites of each other as far as when they played well and when they played poorly. Let's start with the 49ers. They have played poorly in the first quarter and, you know, through parts of the second, but then toward the end of first halves, they've turned it on, especially against the Eagles and against the Packers, and then they've played good second halves as far as efficiency goes offensively. In fact, the splits for Jimmy Garoppolo, when you look at the advanced efficiency, he's the number 31-ranked quarterback in the league in EPA per dropback, expected points added, in the first quarter. And then the rest of the way, he's good enough to finish cumulatively ranked number six. So that gives you an idea. He goes from one of the worst QBs to one of the best QBs in efficiency in the later quarters. The Seahawks go from number one in scoring in the first half in the entire NFL to number 32, dead last in the second half. Russell Wilson is the number three most efficient quarterback in the first half and the number 29 most efficient quarterback in the second half. So, I mean, you couldn't be any different if you were the 49ers and the Seahawks here. And, Matt, if this plays out on Sunday, uh, <laughs> a lot of 49ers fans are going to be really upset on Twitter at halftime. If, if that would mean the Seahawks jump out to a big lead and the 49ers roar back, and I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan wants no part of these trends. He doesn't want to fall behind again uh, because, it, as the 49ers saw, it's not really sustainable when you try to come back. Even if you take the lead, something could happen with a great quarterback on the other side. So uh, it's just fascinating to me that, that we've seen such starkly bipolar team so far with the 49ers and the Seahawks. Yeah, it, it, that's very interesting. And, and I suppose uh, you have to be good in the second half, uh, like Garoppolo has been, when um, you're not good in the first because you usually fall behind. Uh, and, and they certainly fell behind 17 to nothing in that game. And to his credit and to um, all the, the guys on offense's credit, uh, they, they did uh, come storming back in the second there. Um, I, I've always kind of wondered about that. What what is what is it that leads to a fast start, a slow start? Dennis, can you can you feel it at the beginning of a game, in in warmups, etc. When uh, when you are going to start fast as a team, and and how do you uh, sort of pull out of that rut when a team does you know uh, you know perennially start as slow as the 49ers have these last two games? That's a good question. Um... You know, I, I don't know as far as, you know, you know, Kyle Shanahan said the team was geeked. They, he felt like they were up. But you really can't tell until you get on the field. And it's, and it's you know, it's, it's a lot of it's game plan. You know, I'm sure that 
that pass rush was thinking, you know, Nick Bosa was going to go off against this, you know, third third tackle they had out there. But instead, he was getting chipped. So that may throw, th- throw off his game just a little bit. There's little things that happen during it. Momentum is a big thing in football. And, you know, we saw against Green Bay in that first half, you know, once that, that young offensive line got some confidence, they just kind of walked down the football field and made it look really easy. And then when you get back, you go back to the fundamentals. You go back to your fundamentals, your technique, uh, and then you kind of bring yourself out of it. But it takes big plays. And you remember that 49ers, you know, they were flat until that kickoff return. And all of a sudden, momentum tur- turned, and it looked like the, you know, the offense got a, got a little bit of rhythm there. So it all depends on, you know, the game plan and kind of what happens throughout a football game. And Dave, listen to those numbers. It just sounds like, you know, the 49ers just inconsistent. They got to start playing some consistent football and, you know, starting off fast and finishing fast. And, and, you know, and and that's the key, I think, to NFL is just being consistent in a positive way. You know, come out fast, technique, um, uh, fundamentals and tackle, throw the ball well, run the ball well. And just kind of build some type of rhythm. And that's what, when you look at the 49ers and it shows in those stats that they're just not very consistent. And that's going to be important, especially against, you know, we've talked about it, a top-tier quarterback. And Russell Wilson falls in that category. He's one of the elite quarterbacks in the National Football League. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're the 49ers, at least come out average. Don't don't come out number 31 in the league. I think that's what's really <laughs> killing them because that. The, the, yeah, I'm serious. It has these really damaging downstream effects when you're just going three and out, missing easy passes. Because Kyle Shanahan's whole philosophy, his whole scheme, his whole game plan is based on getting that snap count a little higher early in the game so he could show the defense certain looks. Right, and if you're going three and out consistently in the first quarter you're only showing the defense three looks at a time you're not setting anything up and it's going to take a lot longer domino effect wise here to get to the good stuff to get to the explosive plays so another stat for you is that the 49ers 2019 pass offense the last time this gang was really together led the league in explosive pass plays that their explosive pass play rate was higher even than even kansas city during the regular season this year the 49ers are number 24 despite the fact that they've been efficient quarters two through four. so And you have to be explosive in the modern NFL. You can't just be plodding along. That You have to find a way to get those explosives in. And my argument or my theory is that they're not getting to the explosives because they're not setting stuff up properly in the first quarter because they're going three and out all the time. So everything is a strain. Even when they're being decently efficient later in the game, they haven't set the table 
properly. And I think this is why Bill Walsh scripted the first 15 to 20 plays of the game, right? Because he wanted to avoid the valley that could come when your players are jittery or they're not ready, you know, quite yet to, to unleash the big time plays. So the 49ers back in the day, that's how Bill Walsh would avoid uh, catastrophe at the start of games. And I'm not really sure how Kyle Shanahan does this, Matt, but to me it seems that he's not scripting plays because the, the one big clue that we have is the Trey Lance package against Detroit. Uh, Shanahan said that wasn't part of a pre-scripted plan. He just decided to use Trey Lance on the seventh or eighth play of the game uh, you know, on a whim based on situation. So I think Shanahan's doing this all situationally. We have our clues through the Trey Lance usage, and he's not scripting anything. So it, that means it's up to the players if Shanahan's not going to script stuff to go out there and, and execute early in the game to make sure that they're not going three and out. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Garoppolo today said that uh, you know he's not really involved in, in any scripting or anything like that for the, the first few plays of the game, that it's all you know in Shanahan's head. And, and like you said, he's expected to just execute uh, you know how Shanahan is sort of feeling his way through the game, um, and, and we talked about this after the Packers game. You know, everything builds off the 49ers' rushing attack, and that rushing attack was just non-existent um, against the Packers. Green Bay did a, an excellent job of, of defending that that outside zone run, and uh, I just was watching the the Viking Seahawks game and. Um, no Dalvin Cook for that game. So what do the Vikings do? Well, their backup, Alexander Madison, rushed for 112 yards. And uh, it, it set the tone. I mean, the, the, the Vikings fell behind in that game early, but uh, the offense was consistent throughout. They had five guys, or four guys rather, uh, finish with more than 50 uh, receiving yards. Um, and uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, 323 yards, three touchdowns, 128.4 passer rating, just a, a balanced attack. And, and that's what what Jimmy Garoppolo needs. That's what the 49ers need. And I think the, the best news, and it was sort of uh, underplayed today uh, or on, on Wednesday of this week, is that uh, Elijah Mitchell was, was out there with the uh, running back group. He was wearing a blue no-contact jersey, but he was moving around better. He looked more spry. He looked ready to play or readier to play uh, than he certainly did last week. So uh, that uh, tailback situation, Dennis, obviously was problematic for the 49ers against the Packers. It looks as if, A, they're going to have uh, Mitchell uh, back in the lineup, and, and B, they'll have more of these guys more well-versed uh, with the offense. Uh, the newcomers who uh, didn't get into the game, basically, against the Packers, they should be able to contribute against the Seahawks. First of all, I'm really surprised that Jimmy Garoppolo said that um, as your starting quarterback, you're not involved with the scripting of the first, you know, whatever, 20 plays, 18 plays, whatever it is. That's really surprising to me because I thought that was something, you know, that was part of your week prep as you you try to figure, you, you come up with your game plan. I thought a quarterback would be involved, but I guess I'm just a defensive lineman. So, Do you want me to read the quote really quick? I have it Yeah, here. do that for me. Yeah, so Jimmy said, well, Kyle has his own process too, and you don't want to mess with that too much. He's had success with it in the past, so he kind of handles the openers. As far as us, it's more of just trying to anticipate what we're going to see. You do all the scouting and things like that. But once you get out there on Sunday, you might get the look you planned for. You might get something that you've never even talked about. And I, I think it's just 
the balance of that as players, we've got to be able to execute under whatever circumstances. So you could see that at the start, he said Kyle kind of just handles the openers, and there, there's got there's some kind of level of trust there. And so far, obviously, the 49ers haven't executed the openers, and Shanahan's not happy about it. Kyle looked visibly upset. I mean, yeah, you, you lose a football game, and you know you, Aaron Rodgers beat you uh, in, in the last 30-something seconds of, of a football game, but he looked like he was really upset after that game and uh you know you know I, I don't know where that comes from it just seems to me that your quarterback should be in the same room with you or the I can just remember um going through the week and the offense kind of scripting their plays at practice and then until they it was down perfect and then as as a defense we gave the different looks that they could expect and then they they worked with that on the practice field, and I can think I mean I can remember being in games and recognizing the first ten plays of an offense because I helped you know do a scout team for those particular plays. So it's interesting how you know Kyle just kind of kind of does it kind of you know off the cuff, and you know if you get a coverage and the quarterbacks really don't know what's going on. But I'm not a head coach, so I don't understand that. But you know, it seems like, you know, it, it's got to be frustrating because the team has, has started off very slow in the first couple quarters of football games. And watching the game, you start thinking, wow. And then you see, you know, Jimmy throwing balls high, balls going low, no running game last week. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, kind of what the game plan is. And then it kind of turns around in the second half. But I, I still think that, again, I'm, I'm a defensive lineman talking, but I, I think you might want to sit with your quarterbacks and kind of discuss, you know, your first 10, 15 plays before you go into a game. Well, you know, I think a huge misconception right now floating around is that the reason behind Garoppolo's struggles is that he can't make some of these outside the number or, or, or deep throws. But what's hurt the 49ers the most is his inability to connect on shorter throws and against Philadelphia, some intermediate ones early on in the game. Remember against the Eagles, uh, that screen pass to Kyle Juszczyk at the start wasn't really good. It was kind of near his shoelaces, and Juszczyk dropped it. I think if the 49ers complete that, they get their rhythm much more quickly in that game. And it, and it wasn't like the you know the outside throw, I think it was to – Mohamed Sanu that missed him against Philadelphia. I don't think that was the most difficult throw. It's, it's one that Jimmy Garoppolo's made before. He just 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 missed it. And then against the Packers, it, it was definitely an easier throw. It was a crosser on third and one to George Kittle, who was a yard past the sticks. And Garoppolo threw high, like you said, Dennis. He, he just missed him. And that was a huge opportunity for the 49ers to move the chains, get rhythm, and if I remember correctly, on that play, the Packers were in zone defense and the 49ers ran a man-beating concept. They had a pick play set up, and obviously the pick play is not going to work if the defense is in zone. So that might have discombobulated the offense, made Jimmy Garoppolo uneasy. Still not an excuse to, to miss a five-yard throw. You know, it, it only traveled that long or that far in the air. Um, so yeah, maybe the fact that the Packers were in zone and the 49ers had expected man, maybe that's a – an issue of quarterback coach cohesion. Maybe the 49ers need to be on a better page there. But the bottom line, Matt, is whatever the reason, they, they, they just have to execute at key junctures. And that's what complementary football is about. It's about working smarter and not working harder, right? So uh, <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing bombs all day and deep out patterns, you know, like Patrick Mahomes all day 
if he just hits the the plays within the structure of the offense that move the chains and allow that running game to loosen up and get going. Yeah, and, and we should point out that it was a, a screen pass or an attempted screen on, on which he threw that pass behind the line of scrimmage. That's not entirely on, on Jimmy Garoppolo, but uh, it just kind of uh, shows how you know, seemingly small plays uh, can uh, have blown up for the 49ers this year. And I, I don't know who was at fault for that. Uh, it seemed like Lakin Tomlinson let go of his guy, Kenny Clark, the, the nose tackle, a little bit too early. Um, Trey Sermon got ca- caught in the traffic um, along the line of scrimmage, and he wasn't out there. So, um, yeah, you, you would think that, that at, at this stage, uh, you know, week three, that would have been ironed out by now. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that the deep ball is going to come into play at some point. I mean, you saw the, uh, the Packers' uh, safeties inching up towards the line of scrimmage, taking away the running game. Uh, you need to keep them honest every now and then. And, and the 49ers went for that play on that throw to, uh, to George Kittle. Lovely throw. Uh, it was just a great play by the, the backside cor- cornerback on that who, who came in for the, uh, for the interception. So um, there haven't been a lot of those types of plays. Um, there were in, in training camp and, and practices. It seemed like Garoppolo's deep ball was fine. Uh, he hit Debo Samuel a few times. I think that uh, Brandon Ayuk can, can kind of bring that uh, into, the, uh, uh, into the offense as well. They just haven't haven't done it very often. Um, Dennis, just four pass plays beyond 20 yards in these first three games. I think the only quarterback with fewer is Matt Ryan in uh, Atlanta with three. So um, it's it's not something that uh, is has been a big part of this offense so far. I don't think it's 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 really ever been a big part of this offense. But wouldn't it be great if you had that deep threat? I mean, if you could really, you know, get some of these safeties to be actually threatened. I, I, I just don't think, you know, when, you, when I look at the 49ers offense and, and I think about Ken Norton, uh, defensive coordinator with the Seahawks, I, I can see his game plan just might be to cut everything off in the middle and kind of dare the 49ers to go long down the sidelines and kind of neutralize like a, a George Kittle or Debo some of those in cuts and just kind of make them kind of go outside. Um, but the 49ers don't have that receiver with that that type of speed that can really get behind a defense. And I think um, I think defenses kind of game plan that. And they just kind of wait for those, you know, uh, Debo to get the ball or Ayuk to get the ball and then, you know, yards after the catch. And then, you know, wait for George Kittle to catch his and try to bring him down. So I think I think the game plan for the Seahawks are going to be just to take everything away in the middle of the field and force Jimmy Garoppolo to kind of go down the field. But you know, I don't I don't know at this point if do you have a receiver that can threaten you know the long ball down the perimeter. Well, George Kittle has been the guy that the 49ers have used in the limited times that that they have attacked downfield. Again, Shanahan in the past when this offense has been clicking as as at its peak has been able to generate explosive passing plays without throwing deep all too much. It was really interesting because in 2019 when the 49ers ranked number one in explosives that they obviously led the league in in yards after the catch. But one stat that seems to fly under the radar because uh, I guess Garoppolo didn't attempt too many of them, but he had something like 24 or 25 passes that traveled over 
um, 20 yards in the air. And he actually led the NFL in completion percentage on those 20-plus yard passes in 2019, which you know shows two things. It, it shows that I think he's a little more accurate than he gets credit for on those. And two, Shanahan, I think, was really able to, given the rhythm of the run game, given the rhythm of the offense, he was able to, to scheme those open shots downfield, which just in general in the NFL, a 20-plus yard throw is has a much lower expected completion percentage uh, th- th- than something shorter. So the offense, when it's working in cohesion, Matt, has demonstrated in the past that, that it can unlock some of these things that we're talking about. It's never going to happen at the rate that the Chiefs are chucking the ball up 30 or 40 yards just because the 49ers are built differently. But uh, I think it, it goes back to what you were saying. It goes back to consistency in the run game. And that, you know, something that unlocks better pass protection because the 49ers are able to to run play action and and the defense and its pass rush have the steam taken out of them because they're they're a little worried about other stuff. So in the NFL to me it, it seems that you're you're never as bad as you think you are or usually aren't as bad as you think you are. I get there probably were some Cleveland Browns teams over the years that were definitely as bad as we thought they were. Uh, but but you're also never as good as you think you are because of this one truth. If one thing happens when you're doing really well and that starts going wrong, Everything else can fly off the rails, and when you're doing really poorly, if you fix one thing, if you fix the interior pass protection, if Garoppolo fixes, you know, some of those short misses or so, you know another miss in the game, that can lead to a chain reaction that makes everything look a whole lot better. And I think that's what the 49ers are counting on as far as their first quarter offensive performance right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if uh, if Fred Warner lines up two yards behind where he lined up on that first down on uh, the Packers' last drive, uh, the, the tenor of our, our conversation, of our stories, of talk radio, of everything is entirely different because he would have gotten back far enough to tip away that pass, and the 49ers very likely would have won uh, that game. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the NFL. It kind of vacillates uh, between extremes, and, um, you know, that's... That's the that's the difference between a uh, a win and a loss and a and a week's worth of anguish and a week's worth of, of feeling good about yourself. Uh, so uh, obviously the 49ers were very close to going three and zero and being at, at the top of that division. Uh, that that's what makes this game so interesting is that both teams really need this win. And I always believe Dennis that coming off a, a loss you're just much more focused and. Uh, more desperate to get that W, to get that taste out of your mouth. And um, I, I just feel like uh, in previous years, in these situations, the, the Seahawks have been a little bit better than the 49ers in, in these types of games, uh, focusing in on it. So it's going to take, um, you know, it, it, it'll be, uh, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm already thinking about what we're going to pick at the end of this conversation. <laughs> at this point, I, I really don't know which way I'm leaning um, but uh, it's going to be interesting on Sunday for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, you, you, like I said, I mean, it's got to be some sense of urgency, you know. And I know the Seahawks are gonna are gonna bring. I mean, it's a divisional game. I mean, if you can't get up for this game, and it's against the Seahawks, and you know, and, you know, the, the rivalry is not what it used to be, but it's still it's still the Seahawks, and you know, Levi is going to be loud, hopefully. Uh, and then you got Russell Wilson. So, I mean, it's not like it, it's it's a game you can be like, be like oh, we should have won last week. Uh, now we can bounce back against the Seahawks. I mean, you, you got to bring it. 
and you know, and what the 49ers are working with. I mean, it's a to be honest, it's a bad matchup when you when you look at Lockett and Metcalf against this secondary. I don't know who's going to be out there, but it's a bad matchup, and especially if this if the pass rush can't get there. Didn't see much of D Ford last week. But, you know, if, if, if he can't get there, if Nick Bosa is going to get chipped and he can't get there, Eric Armstead can't get any pressure right up the gut to get, you know, at least to get in the way of Russell Wilson so he can't see, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be throw and catch like it was first half against Green Bay. So I, I'm with you, Matthew. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough matchup. And, um, you know, it's hard to see which way it's going to go, but it's a divisional game. And both these teams are coming off losses. The Seahawks are coming off back-to-back losses. They go on the road. And I can guarantee you, I know Pete Carroll. He was my coordinator. And I know Ken Norton. He was, you know, one of my teammates. And, and you know, they're going to be fired up for this football game. And Pete has an amazing way of getting, getting guys all fired up for stuff. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I don't, I, I just, I, I don't know which way to go either as far as, Who's going to win this football game? Even though the 49ers, I think, are probably favorite and they're at home. So it's going to be tough. Well, I guess we have a few minutes to think about our predictions. I'm going to be on the spot again with this one. I know with like the Eagles game, I, I was on the spot, and I picked the 49ers to win on the podcast, and then I changed my mind on Friday, and I picked the Eagles to win because I knew the 49ers were going to have trouble offensively, and I, and I didn't think they were going to rebound the way they did. I obviously underestimated them, and then I got last week wrong too. So I've been wrong two weeks in a row. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I'm right with whatever I pick this week, but, uh, man, it it is a tough one to gauge just because the two teams have, have those opposite tendencies of starting slow or starting hot and then finishing slow or finishing hot. But in, in general, if you look at what the body of work that Seattle has put on through these three games, uh, overall it's number two offense and overall it's the number 24 defense. So you, you also have a stark division there. And that's nothing new from the Seahawks in recent years. The the Legion of Boom is long gone. Richard Sherman is now in Tampa. Uh, so he's on his third team now in the NFL. But but this has been Russell Wilson's team for quite some time. And uh, they have to score points because their defense hasn't been reliable. Uh, at times in some of these matchups, the 49ers have capitalized on that. At times, they've completely dropped the ball. Uh, it usually is a delineation between when the 49ers have a winning season and when they have a losing season. But, for example, in 2019, Week 17, the game for all the marbles, Fort- uh, Seahawks came in with a very similar profile, right? They had Wilson, they had an offense that was productive, and they had a defense that was sketchy, and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw a single incompletion in the second half. He was fantastic in that game, and Shanahan was too, and the 49ers schemed circles around Pete Carroll. Uh, in 2020... The 49ers had massive problems at the center position with Hronis Grasu, like their fourth or fifth option at center. And the Seahawks just sent blitzes up the A-gap the whole game and just wrecked Jimmy Garoppolo uh, time and time again. And, and the 49ers were unable to really do anything consequential offensively. Uh, so for me, Matt, a, a big key in this game is how does Alex Mack play? I thought through weeks one and two, Mack was good decent, whatever, you know, got the job done at the center position. But all of a sudden in week three, he looked like a 35-year-old who's about to turn 36 again. And that that's how old Alex Mack actually is. I mean, there were snaps that were bouncing to Jimmy Garoppolo. 
There was poor pass protection. He got blown up by Kenny Clark on on a pitch play at the start of the game that also really damaged the 49ers. He did make a really good block on Trey Lance's touchdown. But outside of that, I thought Alex Mack had a really bad game. And as we know, 49ers centers can't have really bad games or this team is not going to win. They're, they're just too important. It's too important of a piece to the offensive success of this team. So I'm going to be looking to see how Alex Mack handles that Seattle interior in this game. And as he goes, I expect the 49ers offense to go against what isn't a good Seattle defense. Yeah, and we should point out that the, the 49ers have played some good interior defensive linemen to this point, and Hargreave and uh, in Philadelphia, and then uh, Clark uh, last week with the Packers. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I thought that Mack was really good in those first two games, really active getting out into space. He was helping out Brunskill at right guard, um, did basically everything right. Um, yeah, I got to wonder whether, you know, it's sort of that curse of the of the two-week stayover. Uh, you, you, you come back and then uh, you're, you're disjointed and flat the, the next week, and it seems to really affect guys who are in their 30s. Remember, Trent Williams came back last year against Philadelphia and had the worst Trent Williams game I've ever seen. Um, and then bounced back the next week and was re- really good. So I expect uh, the same thing w- with Alex Mack this week. Um, I was on a podcast with the Seattle guys earlier in the week, and they were more doom and gloom than we are about that team up there, um, especially uh, pass coverage and, and uh, pass defense. Uh, they, they, they thought that, uh, you know, they watched uh, – uh, the Vikings just carve up that defense up in Minnesota, and uh, they think that the same thing is going to happen this week. Um, and we should point out that you know the the Seahawks are allowing something like 440 yards a game, which is last in the league. Now I, I think that that can change very quickly. Um, you've got uh, just great defensive-minded coaches up there. They're going to be have these guys on their p's and q's, but. Um, you know, uh, Seattle has not been all that good. So, uh, Dennis, we'll have to kind of factor that in when we when we finally do make our uh, predictions on this game. I think it's going to be a close game, though. But I do think that this pass rush is going to show up. Uh, and it's because Seattle doesn't have a very good offensive line. I think this pass rush will show up. I think, but dealing with Russell, Russell Wilson, you have to corral him. You have to have a control rush. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna move around the pocket and try to wait until this coverage uh, the 49ers secondary kind of breaks down a little bit uh, and try to throw the ball down the field. But I think I think the 49ers have a good good chance of winning at home. But you got to contain Russell Wilson and not let him get in the rhythm. I think that was the issue last week with uh, Aaron Rodgers. He got he got in rhythm early in the football game and then his offensive line got that confidence. And once they had 17 points on the board, I mean, you couldn't tell that offensive line that they weren't all pro bowlers because they were holding back this 49ers goal rush. So I think once, you know, once you establish a good control pass rush, get Russell Wilson on the ground, I think the 49ers have become victorious in this game. And as always, rushing coverage worked together. We saw Green Bay do all that chipping, and anytime you dedicate extra blocking attention to Nick Bosa and to the 49ers defensive line you are by definition taking some of your downfield threats away but the 49ers secondary wasn't able to to handle it we saw the pass interference calls thought we saw Green Bay get a little too much underneath and of course Green Bay had a consistent running game I know they averaged only 3.8 or 3.9 per carry but boy there were no 
plays that were detonated in the backfield. It was always positive yardage for Green Bay. Somebody on that defensive line, or it it could be that, or it could be D'Amico Ryans calling up the right run blitz or Fred Warner improvising when when he sees a run. Somebody has to step up and make plays because if you if you create negative plays, you push the offense behind schedule. We've seen Russell Wilson have trouble with sacks. I think teams are learning how to rush him. They're getting better and better at it every year. He He's also getting older, so he's not spinning out of stuff as frequently as he used to. Um, it, it And the way that you're going to get Russell Wilson into those situations is if he is in second and long and if he is in third and long. And if Seattle picks up six yards on every first down or even three or four yards on every first down – you don't put Russell Wilson in those situations. So it's all tied together. That that pass rush, I think, will be fine if the 49ers run defense and if their secondary gives it some of that support that it needs to be able to make the counter adjustments against those chip blocks right now. Um, but, you know, you look at the defense, Matt, and I think they're going to want to come out and have a good first half because, A, Wilson's been having great first halves great first halves, but B, the last taste in the mouth for the 49ers is a, is a terrible drive. I mean, I don't care how good the throws were from Aaron Rodgers. This is the National Football League, and if you give up a, a, a game in the final 37 seconds and the opposing team didn't even have a timeout, uh, then you better be upset o- about that over the course of the week. And we're going to talk to D'Amico Ryans today on Thursday, but I'm sure that – you know, whatever comes out of his mouth will, will not be something that, that is happy about what happened on Sunday. And it's important for the 49ers defense, such a proud unit, right? They put together two good seasons in 2019 and 2020. It's important that they make amends in this game early to build on some of that mystique that they were able to establish in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, I expect a big game from Fred Warner. This is basically his defense. And I thought it was terrific that on Wednesday, he stood up at the podium on camera and said, you know, that was that was on me. I, I lined up improperly. I should have gotten back farther on that long throw to Devontae Adams. That's what you want from your team captain. And I think that he's going to bounce back and have a have a huge game. It'll be nice and poetic because uh, Bobby Wagner's on the other side. So, you know, Fred Warner is kind of taking over that mantle of you know, best inside linebacker, two guys from who played uh, collegiately in in the state of Utah. So there's some nice poetry there if he has a big game. To me, one of the big questions defensively is is nickel cornerback. I mean, they're not going to have Kwan Williams for this game. He's not going to be back for the Cardinals game. I don't know if he's going to be back after the bye. And they signed Buster Screen, a veteran who's played a lot of nickel. He's going to be the, the temporary fill-in for Kwan Williams. But the question is, can he fill in against the Seahawks. It might be too much to ask him to be in total game shape and, and up to speed with this defense in the short amount of time that he's there. And if that's the case, if he doesn't play, then you're looking at either Diamador Lenore or Dante Johnson as your slot guy. And if I'm the Seahawks, I'm looking at that position like Aaron Rodgers was looking thirstily at that left cornerback spot that was a revolving door on Sunday. I mean, that's where I want to attack if I'm Russell Wilson. So, uh, that's going to be a question mark all week and probably go down to uh, to game day before we uh, figure out, Dennis, who's playing that critical spot. Yeah, and that, that slot cornerback position is important because you got to support the run. And, you know, it, just like the 49ers, the Seahawks want to establish a, a run game with Chris Carson. So 
you know, it, I don't know who now. Who did they sign? Who's the the slot? Buster Screen. Buster Screen. Don't know He's much about 32. him, but I, they won't be able to run screen passes. <laughs> I hope he can. I hope he hope he's going to run support, which K1 was was out or is outstanding. Yes. But that's it's it's going to be, you know, one of those things. I mean, it's it's established to run, shut down the run, and then put it on Russell Russell Wilson's arm. So, you know, it, that whole secondary is 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 it's just amazing. We're in week three, and we were talking about these guys being hurt in IR. So, I saw a Richard Sherman sign with Tampa Bay. So he's out of the picture. So. Still got to address those cornerback positions too, but I, I know you know this 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 new signing. I don't know if he if he can if he's ready to play against the Seahawks uh, on Sunday, but you know we're gonna find out real soon. And we'll find out with Josh Norman too. Well, obviously he had spent some time in the hospital. Uh, that 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 seemed scary with with the lung situation. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, if Norman's ready to go, he, he we haven't seen too much of him, but I think he's been fine so far. That gives you a veteran presence on one of the corners. And Emmanuel Mosley played a good football game against the yeah. Packers. It wasn't all bad in the secondary. Uh, that one pass interference call hurt the 49ers, yeah. But other than that, he didn't give up a lot in coverage, and he broke that ball up uh, to Devontae Adams near the end of the game that gave the 49ers a, a chance to, to go take the lead, which they did. So... Don't pin that on Mosley, you know, and if you consider that, you consider the details here. The four anners have pieces to do decent stuff on the back end. Uh, they just have to avoid a rash of in-game injuries again, and maybe that's easier said than done with a lot of players on the wrong side of 30. And uh, they have to work together cohesively as a unit. So I, I would just encourage people to look at it week by week because it's going to be a long story, long season. Uh, the 49ers may get a game-saving interception later this year in December from a player who you've never even heard of, who's not on the roster right now. It's kind of how the war of attrition of an NFL season works, so we're excited for the next chapter. Anyway, uh, time for predictions, guys. Uh, I've thought about it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 0 for 2 over the last two weeks. I, I, I have not done well with these predictions. Uh, I think the 49ers get this one, though. I, I, I do. I, I think that there's there's some trouble in Seattle right now. There's some blood in the water. And the 49ers, because they're coming off of a loss, uh, will have a sense of desperation to them as well. So they're, they're not going to be caught off guard or anything here by a Seattle team fighting for their lives. So I think the 49ers come in here. They, they put up the 30 that they should have put up last week against the, the, the Packers, and the defense holds the Seahawks to 27. 31-27 Niners. Yeah, I, I talked myself into a 49ers win during during our conversation, too, and I, I was remembering the end of the Packers game, and, and yes, there was a, a blown coverage, blown assignments, blown whatever by the defense, but there was some real metal shown by uh, three offensive players in particular. Um, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle and Debo Samuel, and I just thought that that was heroic's not the the right word. It's too big of a word, but like I said, there was real grit there at the end, real leadership, uh, and um, I just think that if they can build on that, bring that sort of mentality into this game, um, they'll just be able to to, to bludgeon that that uh, Seahawks defense. So I don't know if they quite get to. 30 points in this game. I'm going to go with uh, 27, 24. It's going to be another nail biter, but I, I think the 49ers pull this one out. What, what do you think, Dennis? I think the run game comes back. I think that offensive line plays the way they played the first two weeks. Uh, I see Jimmy Garoppolo having a good solid game. I see 
Trey Lance getting in the game even more against the Seahawks, against this defense, uh, keeping them on their toes or on their heels. Uh, and I see that, like I said, I, I see that that pass rush coming in. I see Russell Wilson struggling. Um, I think there, there's going to be some big explosive plays down the field. Uh, but I think the defense recovers. Uh, I don't see 30 points scored in this football game. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say 23-16 San Francisco 49ers. Good stuff. Well, it's always fun when, when the 49ers play the Seahawks. It's going to be hard hitting. The fans don't like each other. Uh, the teams, who knows? I mean, all this new age football stuff. Sometimes the guys do like each other, but they play hard whenever they see that uh, Seahawks team on the other side. So it, it, it doesn't quite feel as, as nasty as it was in 2011, 2012, or 2013, but it's still going to be some good rivalry football. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time.